Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So in some churches, when the pastor is preaching and everybody kind of agrees with that point that he's making, everybody shouts amen. So we've got cowbells this morning. So you can just feel free to... No, I'm just... Don't do that, please. You're going to erupt the pace of my... No, I'm going... Um, we're in this series called Soul Keeping. It's actually week two, and it's based on a book uh, written by John Ortberg uh, by that very same title, Soul Keeping. And uh, these six weeks leading up to Easter, we're taking some time, uh, which is traditionally the time of Lent, to take some time to examine the conditions of our soul. And it's not too late to pick up a copy of the book. We have more of them. They're out in the lobby. We are selling them at a loss. We're selling them for $10. They actually retail for 22 such a deal. Um, but it's such a good book and, and so helpful. And I encourage you, if you have not picked one up, get one today and start reading. Come along with us on this journey. And if you are not in a community group or have not been in one for a while, this is a great opportunity to get into community. Um, you'll find it's going to be helpful through the discussion uh, as we go through this together. It will help you and you will be a help and a benefit to others. So um, it's week two, so it's not too late. Get into a community group, pick up the book and join us uh, with all of this. So last week we introduced this subject and used a, um, a graphic that uh, was very, very helpful. It's actually put together by Dallas Willard. Um, we talked about the different parts of who we are. Um, there is the will, which somehow disappeared there, but that's our heart. That's the decision-making process uh, that we go through. There is our mind, which, is which influences our will and our heart. It's the thoughts and the feelings uh, that we have. And then there's a body, which is basically a collection of appetites and actions and behaviors. But all of that, what can brings them all together and integrates them, lines them all, is our soul. And your soul, my soul, is the deepest part of who we are. And, and, and it's not only the deepest part of who we are, it's also sometimes descriptive of who we are all together. And so this is so important that we're taking some time to do this. Dallas Willard actually um, put it this way. He said, the most important thing about you is not what you achieve. It's the person you become. And that's what has to do with your soul. Jesus put it this way. What goes it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul. If it's that important, then Jesus says that it is, then we ought to be much, much better at understanding our own soul and, and, and what it looks like and how to keep it healthy. And fortunately, Jesus helps us with this. Uh, he actually told a parable. It's actually in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels. Um, we're going to look at the passage that's in Luke's Gospel today. Um, it's in Luke chapter 8, if you want to turn there. And, and it really, uh, it's the first parable that Jesus ever told. And if you're not familiar with parables, parables are simply stories that Jesus told about common everyday kinds of everyday life occurrences to help people understand a spiritual truth. And so we would tell a story that everybody would be familiar with, but then he would use that to teach them about spiritual truth. So the one that we're going to look at is found in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. This is the account as Luke wrote it. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town to town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, when it, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. 
Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Now, since it's the first parable Jesus told, he actually explained it so that we would understand it. Skip on down to verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes the word away from their hearts so they do not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. A seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. They do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, this is often referred to as the parable of the soils, but really you could call it the parable of the souls because that's what the soil represents. The different types of soil represent different conditions of the soul. And so he kind of gave this parable so that we could do some soul searching, that we could take an inventory and understand the quality of our soul and then what to do to make it healthy. And what he says is that a well-cultivated soul will produce a healthy and fruitful life. And that's what we want. So today we're going to take a look at this parable and what it has to do with soul searching. And what you're going to find is that when it comes down to all of it, it really the choice is up to us. And there's basically two parts to this whole thing. The first part is this, that we need to honestly examine the condition of our souls. We need to be honest about what's really going on deep inside of who we are. And Jesus gives us three different types of spiritually unhealthy souls. First one he talks about is a hardened soul. And, he, and the hardened soul can be defined as being bitter or cynical um, or desensitized. He talked about it this way. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and it was trampled on. That's the key. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. And he says, what that is, what that stands for is, he goes on and explains it, that theirs are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts because it never penetrated. Now, how does a soul get hard? I think basically there's two ways it happens. One is by what people, other people do to us, and some of it is what we do to ourselves. What people do to us when, um, when we are hurt or disappointed or let down or somehow aggrieved, um, what happens is we build up a hard shell because nobody likes to be hurt. And so what we do is a self-protection mechanism. We kind of build up a hard shell around our hearts, around our soul. And, and what happens is we become hardened and cynical, not only to other people, but very often hardened towards God. Maybe you've been there. Something has happened to you in your life, and, and you get angry, not just at the person who did it to you. You get angry at God. How could God let this happen? And there builds up a hardness. And it's not just other people. There's a hardness towards God. I have been there. God, how could you let this happen? And here's what I think. I think sometimes God gets way too much blame for things he had nothing to do with and not enough credit for the things he really does. <laughs> Can I get a cowbell? <laughs> No, I mean, that's true. In that hardness, we got to be careful about because it closes us off to the things that God wants to do in us. Some of the hardness we bring on ourselves, and that's a well-worn path. 
And I think this has to do with repetitive sin. Those things that we just keep doing over and over and over again. And after a while, each act of sin makes the next act a little bit easier. And over a period of time, we get hardened. We get hardened to the voice of God, to the word of God. I'll give you an example of that. How many in this room would think of yourself as generally a pretty good, likable, dis, um, likable honest person? How many think you generally I'm a pretty good person? I'm honest. I'm you know, pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Most of us in this room. How many since the beginning of 2017 have been at least dishonest or lied one time? Yeah. Very same people. Why is that? Why is that? Um, Dan Aurelia actually has done um, some study in this and, and done, uh, actually they put together a film called about dishonesty. Let me show you a clip of that and kind of explain where that all happens. And over a period of time, without even realizing it, our hearts become hard. We don't think about that, but like I said, every act of sin, every act of dishonesty Every act of wrongdoing makes the next one a little bit easier. And if we are not careful, over a period of time, we produce the hardness in our own hearts and we just begin to accept it as it is and never let God's word penetrate to make a change. Second one he talks about is shallow soul. You might think of this as superficial and it usually comes from a hurried life. And we end up kind of skimming. We live, live very uh, um, superficially. And, and I think this has to do with um, being able to go through all the right moves, being able to go to church, read my Bible, do all those things, but I'm just going through the motions. And it never really begins to penetrate my soul. I'm really good about appearances and how it looks in front of other people and even pretending a little bit that I'm a little bit better person, a little bit better Christian than I really am. But what happens is I start living on that level and God's word never really penetrates. He describes it as rocky soil. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because it had no moisture. Why did it have no moisture? He goes on and explains They're the ones who receive the word with joy, and when they hear it, but they have no root. And it is so easy to get into the routine and say all the right things and have all the right answers and do all the right things, but there's no real depth to our soul and our relationship with God. And think very often has to do with the pace of our life. We just don't take the time to cultivate the soul. Third one, might call the cluttered soul. The thorny soil is what he talks about. And, and this is, uh, I think, a distracted or confused or, or anxious soul. It says, other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Well, what are those thorns? What is it that choked out the plants? Explains it. They're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. In essence, it's when I live for myself. We substitute our soul for ourself, and they are not the same thing. I mean, think about it. There's a very, very big difference between somebody that would be described as soul-ish and somebody who would be described as self-ish. But we substitute those. And we think it's all up to us, and we have to take care of it. And our life gets cluttered by all these other things. And when I am preoccupied with myself, I become too concerned with the temporary things and not the eternal. 
I'm more concerned with my plans, my security, my comfort, getting my own way. Had kind of one of those gut check or soul check moments not too long ago. My wife and I, Betty, uh, Betty and I took some time, went down to Monterey, and we, uh, on our way to Monterey, there was a, a section of highway because of the storms and everything, roads have been closed and much more uh, crowded and congested than, and, than normal. And, um, and there was like one exit off the freeway to get this, and it was just like backed up for a mile or so down the exit. So I kind of, you know, skirted the back up a little bit, and I saw my opening, and I started right in and I got into my spot and I moved probably another 15, maybe 20 feet. And then, and then another guy comes right up and he tries to get in right in front of me. And you know what I did? I blocked him out. I moved up a little bit. Ah, this is my spot. You're not getting my spot. Even though I had just done the same thing to the guy behind me, but I just cut him right off. I cut off the guy that was trying to cut in. And my wife turned to me and says, that was mean. I hate it when she talks to me about my soul <laughs> because that's what she was doing. Lynn, I'm living for myself. I can be very selfish. And what happens is that's just more thorns and weeds that are choking out the health of my soul. Now, the good news, like I said, is you and I have a choice in all of this. We can cultivate because there is a different type of soil. There's a fourth type of soul. And to get there, we need to cultivate, which means we need to make the changes that will actually cultivate our soul. That fourth type of soil he calls the good soil, the good soul. And this is what it looks like. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And he describes it as this way. These are those who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. In other words, they don't just hear it and it bounces off of them. They take it in. But they don't just take it in in a selfish, uh, self, um, shallow, uh, superficial way. They, they actually live it out and they pursue it. Because see, when it's shallow, what happens is that... that um, That all of those values and convictions that I say I have, if I don't live them out, that is an evidence of a shallow soul. So what do you do? How do you do that? Here's the thing. The sower keeps on sowing. He doesn't stop sowing seed. He knows some of it's falling on the path, some of it's among the thorns, some of it's in the bad soil, but he doesn't stop sowing. This is the grace of God. He doesn't give up on us. He keeps sowing seed all and all, over and over and over. It keeps coming. What happens is we have a part to play, that hearing, retaining, and persevering part. And the way that you do that is in cultivating your soul. And I think one of the best examples we have that is all through the book of Psalms because the book of Psalms is filled with soul kind of language. Because it is often it's David talking about the condition of his very own soul. So what do you do for hardened souls? I think a hardened soul needs openness and trust. A new vulnerability. And that happens towards those who have hurt us with forgiveness and a willingness to let that go. And when it comes to our own sin, when it comes to our own sin, it means being honest with God. Honest with myself and honest with God, which is all about confession. John Ortberg writes about this in his book because he said, very often, confession is not really what we do when it comes to God. He says, confession is really good for the soul. The soul is healed by confession because sin splits the self. Confession makes it whole again. 
As long as I keep pretending, my soul keeps dying. Now, oddly enough, I don't just pretend in front of other people. I pretend with God. My friend Scotty says that sometimes we ask forgiveness, but we know full well we'll go back and say, do the same sin tomorrow. We don't really want forgiveness. We just want to get out of trouble. He says it will be better to pray like this. Dear God, I sinned yesterday. I sinned against to- again today. And I'm planning to go out and do the same sin tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> he says it may not quite reflect the maturity of thy will be done, but at least it's honest. And it is better to be on- an honest mess before God than to be a dishonest saint. David, at a point in his own life of sin, recognized the danger of what it did to his soul. He said, you desire truth in in my inmost being, and in the hidden part, you will make known wisdom. Honesty will soften your soul. Goes on and says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God, I want to be honest with you. You clean me up. Clean me up from the inside. And that's what honesty does. Psalm 25 puts it this way. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Shallow soul. What does a shallow soul need? I think a shallow soul needs time and intentionality. Because... Depth of soul, in fact, depth of any relationship, if you think about it, does not happen in the short term. It takes time. Anybody here who has been married for any length of time knows that over time, that honeymoon feeling goes away, and those rose-colored glasses glasses and those wonderful feelings that you have, those fade pretty quickly. And then you got to work on real love, because real love accepts the real person. And that takes time. And the same thing is true in your relationship with God. See, your soul longs for depth. And it's in that depth that you find that relationship with God. Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. That's a cry of the soul. God, everything about me, I open up to you. Go deep with me. Psalm 42, 6. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. That is God's call to us, to the depth of relationship. And when we live in that shallow, superficial um, spirituality, we are missing out on what our soul deeply thirsts for and what our God calls us to. And that takes time and it takes intentionality. Carving out time in the schedule, slowing down that hurried pace of life to just be alone with God and reflect on his word. And then the cluttered soul, thorny soil. What does it need to be cultivated? I think gratitude and hope. See, gratitude reminds me that God's in charge and he is my provider. When I am living for myself, then I get worried about all kinds of other things. When I am living for myself, then then all I care about is my comfort and and, and my way and and, and living the life I want to get. And that that is not a soul-satisfying kind of life as much as we think it is. 
And, and what needs to happen is I've got to let go of the controls and realize God is in control of my life. And instead of living with discontent about what I don't have, I become grateful for what God has done and what he has given me and what I do have. And what I have found in my own life when I've come to those periods of discontent or worry or anxiety, the best thing I can do is think back of God's faithfulness in the past. For us as a church, we've been looking for and trying to find a permanent a, a location uh, for our Vallejo campus. And, and we've been looking for this for a long time and a lot of different possibilities, but one of them didn't work out. Another one didn't, did, but there was contingencies and there was all these different things. And we were coming down to a deadline. It was going to be either we do this or we don't, and we don't have a place, so we can't start announcing it. And we can't start making plans. And, and everything was just, and, and, and it was just getting so frustrating. And, and my wife said to me, she's so good at this kind of stuff. She said to me, you know, nothing has ever been easy for us. And I think back over the last 26 years of the life of this church and how so many times we came up against those 11th hour deadlines and not knowing how it was going to work out or what was going to happen and God provided and just taking some time to remember for 26 years, God has provided, his timing has been perfect, not always our timing, but he has always been faithful. And when you take some time in your own life and recognize how faithful God has been and be grateful understand it, it deepens your hope and your trust in him. Why, so, why, my soul, are you so downcast, David said? Why so disturbed with me? Why am I so worked over all of this? Why is this bothering so much? Put your hope in God. He has to tell his soul, put your hope in God. This is out of your control anyway. Put your hope in God. Learn to redirect and your misplaced hope off of yourself and put it onto him. Again, Psalm 42. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Recognize his provision. Give thanks for it. It will deepen your soul. Now, I believe that there are times in every one of our lives when we exhibit and experience every one of these soul conditions. The fortunate thing is that God doesn't give up. He keeps sowing. And he gives us the opportunity. See, we can't control the seed or the sower. He does that. We cultivate the soil. And it keeps coming to us his seed, his, his grace, wave after wave. He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. It just takes a moment for us to pay attention, assess the health of our soul, and make the changes for his work in us to go deep. And that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, come to me, all of you, all of you who are burdened and worn down, and I will give you rest you will find rest for your souls. Would you bow your heads with me? We can at any time make the changes necessary to cultivate the health of our soul. So let me ask you again today, how's your soul? Do you find yourself right now in a place hardened, hardened towards other people, hardened towards God? And maybe what it takes 
is an honest confession before him. Maybe it takes an act of forgiveness for somebody else. You get that choice. And you don't have to do it on your own. Jesus is here to help you. Is the condition of your soul shallow and you find yourself just going through the motions? If you're honest, there's really no depth there. And maybe it means placing your soul in the hands of God. Maybe it means cutting out time and carving out time to be alone with Him. Or maybe it's cluttered with selfish pursuits and anxious about your present circumstances. And it just means letting go of the control. Putting your hope in Him. If any one of those describes you and where you're at this morning, and you want to make a change about that, you want to do the thing that's needed to cultivate the health of your soul, you're not going to do it on your own. You're going to need the work of God in you. But if you're there and you're willing to say, I'm going to make that choice, I'm going to make that decision today, I'm starting something new. And I could pray for you. Would you just raise your hand, hold it up, catch my eye. I want to acknowledge you and let you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, all over. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, maybe you're here today. Maybe it starts with a first-time decision. Maybe it really means coming to God honestly and saying, here I am, frail, faulty, full of mistakes, full of failures, full of sin. God, I'm honest with you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need what Christ did on the cross to be applied to my own life and today I'm giving that up I'm putting my life in your hands and I'm asking for you to forgive me and restore my soul if you've never done that before but today it's a very first step of faith same thing would you just raise your hand and as you do hold it up catch my eye I want to acknowledge you and pray with you as we close yeah all right So I'm going to invite you to just make this your prayer. It's the same whether it's a first-time decision or, or, or just a, a renewal and a breaking up of that hardened, thorny, rocky soil. Lord, here I am. You know me better than I know myself, and I'm really good at pretending. I'm really good at, at pretending with myself and pretending with you. Today, I'm an open book because I know my pretense before you means nothing. You know me better than I know myself. Today, I admit this is where I'm at. This is what I need. And I'm taking this step to let you do something new in my life. And whether it's a first step of faith or renewal of a decision I made a long time ago, God, what I am asking for is your forgiveness and for you to restore my soul. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.